Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. It's yours truly, Raheem Palmer, a.k.a. the Rostradonis. And as always, y'all know how it's going down. We got a special guest in the building. We got the IBF, WBA, and WBC, welterweight champion of the world. We got a big fight going down. Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Earl Spence was good. Tell us what's going to happen on July 29th. Well, what up? I'm putting on a great one-sided show. It's going to be action-packed, straight up war, and uh, hopefully I can get to soccer. No doubt. So the interesting thing about this fight for me is that you're the A-side, but you're also the underdog, which is like a rare thing. We don't see that too much in boxing. I haven't seen too many people in boxing media or, you know, the boxing community pick you. So does that make you feel disrespected? Do you feel underrated? Like, how does that make you feel? Oh, uh, nah, man. Yeah. It don't make me basically feel nothing at all. I mean, I mean, they are critics and, you know, they all don't have their opinions at the end of the day. You know, for me, it's still, I still got to go out there and do my job and that's to win. Yeah, that makes sense. That it makes sense. the first time they, they picked me to lose or win. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I respect that. I respect that. So, do you anticipate Crawford fighting Orthodox or Southpaw? We all know he's a switch hitter. How do you go about preparing for that? Do you have, you, are you fighting different sparring partners who, you know, were orthodox and southpaw? Like, what's your stance on that? Uh, yeah, um, I got um, sparring with southpaws and orthodox. And it's just my my ring experience, too. Like, I've been in the game for a long time, you know, fighting a lot of southpaws, fighting a lot of orthodox fighters. So I'm I'm very familiar with, with either stance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it was like one of the interesting things that you said is that you compared yourself to Tim Duncan, and you said you're more fundamental than him. Um, so I I thought that was like really interesting. So you 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 view him as more of like the athletic guy who's kind of lacking the, the the fundamentals. Why you have that? That's going to give you your edge in this fight. Um, nah, he he got a little bit of uh, fundamentals, but he relied more on his um on his time 
that more than anything. I'm the guy giving the ability to more than anything. So, you know, that, that's why I made that curse. Okay. I, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So, who would who would be on your hit list after him? I mean, I, I heard you mention Jamel Charlo. Do you see yourself moving up and possibly fighting a, a Canelo Alvarez at some point? Uh, I mean, anything can happen. It's really just, you know, what what's best for me. So I really ain't got a hit list at, after this fight. I mean, I, I'm definitely going to move up um, if, if he don't do the rematch calls. Definitely going to move up and, uh, you know, and, and try my try my luck at 54 or 160. Okay. Okay. I can see that. So, um, I think one of the interesting things and you said that you said leading up to the, you know, the press for this fight was that you talked about the sanctioning fees and how you, you're basically paying out the ass 3%. And you, the winner of this fight is going to be undisputed. I mean, the, the, the 10th male to become undisputed in world champion. So you win this fight, you're going to have a lot of sanctioning fees. Are you like, Talk about, you know, the frustration of having to pay all these fees and then do you see yourself just dropping all the belts so you don't have to pay them? Well, I mean, you got to pay regardless. So we fight for all the belts. But right now, I'm not really, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm going to worry about that and talk about that and discuss that after the fight. Right now, you know, facing a formidable opponent, you know, very hard. So, you know, all that other stuff I can't, I can't focus on that right now, but definitely after the fight, then we're gonna put more focus in, in um, you know, sanctioning bodies and fees and all that type of stuff. Okay, I, I respect that. So, you know, focus is a big thing for you, and considering that all you've been through inside and outside of the ring, I mean, you had the car accident and, and whatnot. How do you feel like you've grown as a, a both a fighter and as a person? Um, I think the well, I know the car wreck and and the eye injury and other stuff that happened just made me realize that you know that your time on earth is, is very valuable. Uh you're not indestructible. So mm-hmm. you, know, you gotta you gotta you can't take anything for granted. So, you know, that's basically what I'm doing on my, you know, second, third chance in my career is not taking anything for granted and make sure Everything is set up for me, you know, wheels and and trust and everything, make sure everything's set up. So, you know, if anything will happen, everything is so straight, right? So, you know, everybody will get that fair share all my love. I, I like hearing that. I mean, I, I appreciate that growth. You know, I was um actually one of the first fights that I actually covered was the Pacquiao-Yugas fight. And I was like, I wanted to see you in person. I'm just such a huge fan. And when you had the orbitable bone injury, it hurt me so bad because I felt like, you know, one of the things about boxing is that you need the new generation to kind of knock off the the, the older generation because that kind of gives them a boost. So I wanted to kind of really see you take out Pacquiao because I know what that would have done for your career. So, um, you know, I know that was like really disappointing for you, but it was definitely disappointing for me as a fan. Um, you know, it definitely would have turned me up, but you know, everything everything happens for, for a reason or you know, cause and effect. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take it too bad. Like I knew, you know, I missed my chance, but you know, for me, it was just stay focused and 
end up getting the Ugas fight and beating him. So, you know, everything happened for a reason. Okay. So changing gears a little bit because I'm from Philadelphia and people who listen to me regularly, they know I'm a Cowboys fan. And you're for Dallas. What are the Cowboys gonna do this year? Uh, I mean, we got a we got a great we got a young team, but I mean we got a very talented team. So hopefully I think our problem is we don't put the pieces together right. Mm-hmm. Especially on like the offense, defense side. So I mean our defense look great. Our offense look good too. You just gotta put everything together, man. I think we got we got a good chance of Going to playoffs and doing something it's just it's just about us and how our system gonna gonna pan out. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm glad you're like, because I'm encouraged by the season. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the Cowboys have a good chance. I think the Eagles gonna, Eagles are gonna take a step back. The Giants are gonna take a step back, and then DC is just not good at all. So um, I hope you're as excited about them as I am. But um, you know, a couple people wanted wanted me to ask you about this. Um, your dog. I see you, you know, raising your 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 Be- Belgian Melanois. Um, what is his name? Um, Kodak Van Dallas. Like, talk about that. Like, what's that? You know, what kind of joy did you get out of you know raising that dog? Um, I got I got a lot of joy out of it's just um, just just raising her and you know making sure you know she stay because she she do training too, do training, mm-hmm. bike work, and all that type stuff. So. Just making sure that she do a bite work and, you know, make sure she stay disciplined and eat the right foods and stuff like that. So she's a good dog. Okay. Okay. So this is a gambling show. So I always like try to ask, I mean, you guys as fighters, you guys know the sport better than anybody. So I always got to ask about the upcoming fights and you tell me who you like. So we got NUA versus Fulton. Who do you like in that fight? Uh, I'm going, I'm going with my man Fulton. I mean, in, anyway, is it is a good is a good fighter. I mean, if I was a betting, if I was betting, and it, I think it's in Japan, right? Yes, in Japan. Yes, in Japan. So if I was betting, I would, I probably would go for anyway because there's no telling what these judges and and stuff would do to them. You know, they'll rob them, especially if it's a close fight. But I'm I'm a big fan of forcing, like forcing. Always mm-hmm. fighting the best opponents. He always taking people records, undefeated records. So I think Ford and anyway moving up too. So I give mm-hmm. Fulton the edge in there. I think Fulton, Fulton probably needs to stop him or, or have a clear, have a clear victory because if it's if it's go to the scorecards or a split decision, I mean it's being in Japan anyway, being their champion. You know, you know how they go. So they probably yeah. give it to him. All right, so Tank versus Shakur. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I don't think they fight no time soon, so. Yeah, I know I'm giving you some tough ones, but, I mean, the people want to know. It's tough. Because Shakur can box. Shakur can ass and stick and box his ass off. And, and Tank can hit. So, mm. I ain't going to comment on that one. I don't know. Okay. All right, so they haven't announced this one either, but Canelo versus Benavidez. Oh, I got Benavidez. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I- I'm shocked to hear you say that. And then we got one more, Better B versus Bevo. Uh, I got Bovar. If, if, if Better B, pressure and power don't, 
Young Chris Bovala, I think Bovala was just out one. Okay, okay. So you mentioned the judges during the fall, and when I asked you about Fulton versus NUA. How worried about you, are you about the judges in this upcoming fight? Um, obviously, I mean, it's something that you kind of have to be worried about with every boxing match, but is that something that you think about going in? Do you know the judges? Do you know what they're kind of looking for? Um, I think one of the things that I found interesting is that you guys both fought, fought Porter, and I think Porter threw like 744 punches against you, but Crawford was able to limit his output. Um, and I think the one thing about Crawford is he has those slow starts. So, you know, with the judging in this fight, you think you're going to be able to take advantage of, you know, his slow starts and his download? And, like, how, how do you think the judging is going to impact this fight? Is it something that you worry about? Uh, nah, it's, it's not something I worry about because, I mean, the judges are going <laughs> to come up with whatever they come up with, you know, mm-hmm. with all this. So it's for me to fight my fight and, and, you know, and try my best because, I mean, the fans and everybody else going to see who want to fight. So, mm-hmm. and even if I'm crazy, you know, everybody see who won. You know, it's it's, it's a rematch clause and things, and things in place like that. But I'm not too much worried about it because it is in Vegas, you know, or mm-hmm. it's East fighting in Japan. So, Mm-hmm. You know that's a bit, that's a lot a lot of difference between Vegas and Japan because you fight somebody from that area too. So you know that's mm-hmm. a big difference in Vegas. I think it'll be an even playing field. So before we go, I want to ask you, how do you want to be remembered? And you know what's in the future? What's after boxing for for Errol Smith? I know you're not thinking about after boxing too much, but how is it that you like? What do you want your legacy to be? I mean, like. I know you got. I know you're friends with Floyd Mayweather. You worked with him in the past. He wants to be remembered for his money. How does Errol Spence want to be remembered? Like, what's your legacy? I just want. I want to be remembered, of course. You know, as a great fighter. You know, mm-hmm. got it fought the best. You know, never turned down anybody. But also, I want to be remembered as somebody who, who made a lot of money in the game and took care of his finances and, you know, and and exit the game when he wanted to and not letting the game make push me out. You know, a lot of guys get, get you know, boxing, take over them basically, and then he pushed out the game by boxing. But I wanted to be on my, my own accord where I lead the game and the game not just throw me out. Okay. I respect that. I just, I, I wish you the best of luck on July 29th. We got the big fight coming up. I mean, this is this is absolutely huge. So best of luck to you. Um, congratulations for all your accomplishments. I mean, you got a, a chance to become undisputed, which is huge. So we'll all be watching July 29th, Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. We got a special, special guest in the building. You guys might have seen this guy on the Netflix special about those NBA games. You might have read about his story in Game in the Game. I mean, this guy's an absolutely legendary gambler. We got the Philly Godfather in the building. What's good? That's all good. It's a little slow time of the season. Baseball's kicking back up, but we got some huge fights on the horizon. Uh, my kid, Stephen Fulton, as you know, I helped train uh, win a title against Paul Sabunda in Washington, and his trainer, Wahid Rahim, is the kid I trained for years. 
and he just happens to be the brother of Zaire Rahim, who was in the Olympics with Mayweather. So there's there's a lot of boxing pedigree in this family, and some huge fights uh, coming up. Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted. That's the reason why I wanted to bring you on because like you have like a unique story. Like people don't realize is not only are you like one of the top sports betters in the world, you you've also trained fighters and you know like tell people about your story. Man, I started boxing at the age of eight, uh, West Philadelphia, Marty Feldman's gym on top of uh, the Millis' Diner right there on 63rd Street. Uh, I, I was born in Upper Darby, bordered West Philly, and that was right on the borderline in West Philly. I went up there, uh, like I said, Marty Feldman's gym. Jimmy Young used to box up there, Frank Animal, Fletcher, Two Gum Fletcher. I still remember those guys, and I still remember the first time I walked into a boxing gym, and immediately I fell in love with boxing, the smell of boxing, the leather just everything about the sport. And I've been doing it for over 45 years. I still train every day in, at uh, TKO Boxing in Cherry Hill. And along the way, we fell in love with boxing, me and my older brother who got me into it. We opened up a boxing gym back in like 92 uh, in the Fairmount section of Philadelphia. Tyson trained there. Bernard Hopkins was there. Uh, Cheese Steak was there. Calvin Harris. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was a good fighter back in the day. And uh, ever since then, we ran with it. We managed fighters. We trained fighters. Uh, trained a couple champs, managed a couple champs, and right now Stephen Fulton's on his biggest fight of his life in Japan against uh, Inouye. It, this is might be the fight of the year. I'm so glad you mentioned Bernard Hopkins because I I noticed we had a lot of mutual friends. Like it's so crazy we haven't been around each other that much other than you know the times down Delaware Park where everybody did the like the stale parlay car hustle. It was you <laughs> down there. It was Sheep down there. Like even like Captain Jack Andrews. Um, actually, I, for the I met Warren, not Warren. Um, what's my guy, Bill Krakenberger? I met him down there for the first time. But I'm pretty sure you know. I've seen you with Danny Davis. I've seen you with my guy Malik. Actually, I did the the music for one of um Bernard Hopkins fights, and Malik put me on it. So we have a lot of mutual friends in the boxing industry. So let's talk about this Stephen Fall in the NUA fight because you've you've been like all on the timeline. You've been telling everybody how Fulton is going to beat this guy. So, what's your thoughts on it? Go back as far as 2019, I predicted Stephen Fulton to be the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world in a couple of years. And after he beats Inouye, that's going to be his label. I mean, he is the bigger fighter. He walks around about 25 pounds heavier. He's about two to three inches taller, depending on who you know measures these guys. And he's got a 70 and a half reach advantage, uh, 70 and a half inch reach, which is which is huge in this fight. I mean, anyways, used to fighting fighters with a 65 inch reach. If you look at, you know, if you go to boxer, I can just look at all the guys he's fought. And now he's fighting a much bigger guy, a guy whose pedigree is much stronger and a guy with a you know, much uh, longer reach. And if you look at the opponents that Fulton's fought, I mean, he's fought the tougher opponents. He's fought nine undefeated fighters and in a way will be the 10th. While in a way, in a way has only fought one undefeated fighter in his career. I think Steven's just too much for him. I think he's too strong. I think his body boxing pedigree is too much for Inouye. And Inouye's a great fighter, not to take nothing away from him, but he's the smaller guy here. And I actually think Steven stops him. I mean, you can get good a good price on Steven at 10 to 1 at plus 850 to stop Inouye in this fight. Wow. So the markets are pricing Inouye at minus 370, 78% chance. If you had to put like a if you had to like get real granular and put like a percentage on Fulton's chance of winning this, what would you say it is? Is it closer to 50-50? Is it closer to Fulton 70%? Because you sound really confident in Fulton. Uh, I like, I think it's a 60-40 shot Fulton's way, to be honest with you. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's right around, uh, you know, minus 180, minus 175. 
But yeah, if the Godfather is saying it's 60-40 for Fulton, you want to take that to the bank. I mean, that that's absolutely huge. So this is r- really similar to the Devin Haney-George Cambosis fight. I mean, Devin Haney went over to Australia and beat this guy twice. So th- this is saying a lot. So um, I'm, I'm going to put some money down on that. I wasn't really quite sure. We interviewed a couple other fighters. We in- interviewed Earl Spence. We interviewed Terrence Crawford. They like Fulton. Everybody I spoke to like Fulton in the boxing industry. And all like the media guys are saying anyway. So I think that says a lot. And I think you can trust the Philly Godfather on this. Now, moving along, the Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. I really want to get your opinion on this because everybody is picking Crawford. Yeah, I mean, it's so close, right? I mean, Crawford has, he surprised people with the 74-inch reach advantage. He's got right around two-inch reach advantage over Spence. But Spence is about two inches taller. He's been a more active fighter. But he has been boxing for 14 years. I mean, he's 39 and 0. He might be honestly one of the best fighters I've ever seen in a long time, Crawford. But Spence is younger. Uh, he's more busy. And Crawford tends to take the early rounds off trying to figure out his opponents. And if he falls behind early, he's going to have to knock out the bigger guy, which I don't think he can knock Spence out. Uh, Spence is the bigger puncher, in my opinion. Crawford kind of wears down guys before he takes them out. And not to, not to take nothing away from Crawford, but. Um, He's, he doesn't, you know, I don't think he can take out Spence with just one shot. While I think Spence can drop Crawford with one, if he lands that big punch. Uh, the problem with Spence is he's been in a bunch of car accidents over the last, I think, three over the last three years. One was really serious back in 2019. God bless, he's okay. And he hasn't been as active. But game, the fight opened up a pick basically minus 112 on both sides. Now Crawford's, what, minus 150. I think the value's on Spence. I think the value is uh, also on will this fight go the distance? It opened up minus 200. Right now it's at minus 250. But I mean, both fighters are crafty enough not to get knocked out in this fight. Uh, I think the fight will go the distance. If you want to lay the minus 250, I think cash that wager. And I kind of like Spence a little bit with the plus money. I mean, I think it's a coin flip. And anytime you're flipping a coin, give me the plus money every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I, I kind of like Spence a little bit. So I've changed my pick for this fight like a dozen times. And I initially came out for the reasons that you said that, you know, like Crawford, he tends to take a while to get going. He tends to download. And I don't think you can do that against a guy like Spence. You look at a guy like Spence who he's throwing, like he has like a Paul Williams like work rate and he actually has some power. So I thought that was a concern for, for Crawford. I think Spence has like the better jab. I think his jab can cause some real problems. But then when I look on the other end, you have a guy like Crawford who He's a switch hitter. Like, he can fight orthodox or southpaw. And I think the one thing about that is just he's always been good at making adjustments. And we've seen, like you said, Spence, he's a guy who's been in different car accidents, but he's also been a guy who's been in some wars. Like, Ulyss hurt this guy, knocked his mouth, mouthpiece out. Like, Danny Garcia, he, he, he hit him with a couple of shots. So I think with Crawford's timing, if he hits him, like, I think he's going to finish the job, but I just, it, like you said, it's a coin flip. So I think you have the right pick when you say that this is going to go the distance. I, I'm not sure which side I'm going to go with, but I think that's the, that's the way. So, um, I mean, Crawford is moving up from 35 to 40 to 47. Mm-hmm. When Spence rehydrates, he's going to be 160, 165 pounds. He's going to be the much bigger fighter. Uh, Crawford has fought at eight undefeated fighters. So I think he's fought the tougher competition. 
Uh, but when you're moving up in weight class like that, it's hard to carry that power. That Crawford's still strong. He can still knock guys out. I just think it's going to be a lot harder to, uh, if he falls behind early to get that TKO late. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. No, nah, nah, I mean, honestly, I think you nailed it. So um, are you going out there for the fight? No, I'm not going out there. <laughs> I've been busy. I know we're doing a radio show. We're writing a book. We're doing the process of making a movie. There's so many things going on right now that I wish I I was supposed to go out to Japan, but it's a 20 hour flight. And while he was telling me, come on out, come on out. We'll have a good time. This and that. And I'm like, I just can't, I just can't make it. right." Now. Oh man. T- tell us about, the, tell us about that movie that you, you got driving. Cause I mean, I like you have such a, like a unique story and I think the world needs to hear it. I, I saw your tweet about how Holly, Hollywood was trying to like dick you over and, you know, change things. I mean, they're all about inclusion and everything like that. And inclusion is great, but you got to tell somebody's story the real way. So tell us about that movie. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be told as authentic as possible. You know, I grew up son of a Greek immigrant. Uh, I was in a hot dog car at the age of eight, selling hot dogs and hamburgers in the streets of Philly. Got into boxing when I was, you know, eight years old. Also dropped out of high school in ninth grade and I hit the streets. I uh, did a, a lot of stuff that I'm proud of. Some things that I'm not proud of. Got jammed up a couple of times. Uh, in 2005, I got locked up in Arizona in, in a big case. And I went to trial in 2006 and I lost. They sent me to a supermax prison for two years in Yuma. And while I was on the inside, I filed my appeal and we overturned my conviction. And I came home in 2008. And while I was in, Locked up for two years. I had placed a Philly uh, future at 22 to one. So when I get out right around my oh. birthday in October, World Series, so I'm like, everything's clicking at the right time. You know, and I come home and uh, I get back down to business. You know, I always had businesses. I was always in the real estate. You know, I'm an earner. You know, you got to eat. You got to feed your family. Married 31 years to the prettiest Puerto Rican woman in the world. Two kids. Um, and I came home and I started, you know, Back again, you saw me down Delaware Park. We were nailing those stale lines. You know, those parlay cards, we destroyed them. They ended up kicking us out. Uh, launched a website in 2012. Got on Twitter right around 2009, just for fun. And next thing you know, I'm doing national TV, national news. They're writing articles about me in different magazines and newspapers. And then in 2017, Philly Mag came out. Uh, Philly Magazine came out with an article about me. And that kind of catapulted the whole movie thing. Uh, a friend of mine, Greg Lingo, I grew up with, I hadn't seen him in 20 years uh, and he was making movies and he read the article and he hit me up and he goes, uh, Steve, I haven't talked to you in a long time. Let's uh, go to dinner. So we go to dinner and he tells me he wants to do the movie. So uh, I started thinking about it, you know, who's around. Most guys are locked up. A lot of guys are dead. All right, we'll do the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um and then the book deal came along, so we're doing the book as well. The book's coming out before the movie, obviously. Uh, I think January, right around January 1st is the launch date for the book. So there's been so many things along the way. I've had a lot of trials, tribulations, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of successes, a lot of failures. Uh, just tried to stay resilient, tried to stay with my family, which isn't easy, man. If you look at guys who went through what I went through, I mean, usually when you get jammed up and you come home, you're broke, your wife left you, your kids hate you. And I've been so blessed that my wife's still around. My kids love me. Uh, you know, I'm still on my feet. And uh, somehow, like I said, I never I never had a plan to end up on national TV, radio, and all these podcasts. But it was sprung on me. And I try to give out a lot of solid information on Twitter for free. We have the website where we sell our information as well. It's three bucks a day. I'm not trying to kill nobody. But uh, we try to win more than we lose. And as you know, the break-even point when you're laying 110 to 100 is 52.4%. And if we can hit 55% of our wages over 
you know, over a 365 day period, I mean, you make a lot of money. Uh, so that's all we've been doing. And it's, it's been a crazy ride, but somehow we got here, you know? <laughs> I mean, your story is a story of resilience. And I mean, I think everybody should be inspired. Like, I mean, like you look at gambling Twitter now and it's just so much hate. And I see a guy like you and you thrive throughout the hate. Like you continue to be resilient. You continue to, you know, you put out some legendary futures. I mean, like you've had LSU, you had the Eagles, who I hate because I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, but fortunately this year, you're on my, <laughs> you're on my Cowboys. So tell the people why you like the Cowboys this year, because that surprised me. Yeah, last year we were on the Eagles at 30 to 1. They get to the Super Bowl. We had just a little bit, we made some money. We could bet. This year we took the Cowboys at 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. We took them at 9 to 1, 8 to 1, 7 to 1 to win the NFC. We took them to win the division. We took them to make the playoffs. We just, well, the first reason is Eagles got a first place schedule, right? They're going to have a target on their back. They lose seven starters, five of them on defense. I mean, that's hard to replace. Um, Jalen Hurts had a great year. I, I mean, his numbers were insane. But when you look at how they won a lot of those games, I mean, they converted on fourth down at an insane rate. They kept going for it on fourth down, fourth down, which extended drives and put points up on the board. And uh, I don't think that happens this year. Last year, their road record looked good. It was 7-1. and one but it came against teams that had a record of 52 and 80 or something like that and four. So they played some bad teams. And if you remember, they barely got by the Colts. They barely got by the Lions. They barely beat Arizona. Uh, the Texans was like, I think the game might've been tied going into the fourth quarter. So they had some troubles on the road, even though they won those games against some really bad teams this year on the road. They got one more road game and they're playing four teams on the road that are favored to make the playoffs. So it's going to be a much Tougher schedule for this uh, Eagles team this year. Uh, when it comes to the Cowboys, they added uh, Gilmore, shutdown corner. They got Cooks from the Texans, another wide receiver to help Dak out. Uh, Zeke's not there no more, so there's no more feuding in the locker room between Pollard and Zeke. So you get rid of some headaches there. Uh, last year, people don't know this, but they, the Cowboys let up the third least amount of sacks. And on the defensive side, they had the fourth most sacks in the NFL last year. And they were one of the most injured teams in football. So usually that flip-flops. So this year I'm expecting them to be healthy. I'm expecting Dak to be healthy. And if you're looking to bet a team to make it to the Super Bowl, I mean, the AFC is stacked, right? Who do you take over there? There's so many great teams, so many great quarterbacks. But when you go to the NFC, I mean, you got the Eagles, you got San Fran, and you got the Cowboys, and then you got maybe Detroit and Seattle, but they're not at that level yet. And uh, it's so hard to repeat as NFC East champs. No one's done it in 20 years. So I don't see the Eagles repeating as, as NFC champs. I think the Cowboys are the right team there. San Fran, I mean, who's their quarterback? No one even knows who's – they're stacked. The team's stacked. they got a great coach. But I don't think they got the right quarterback in that position to take them there. I think this is the Cowboys' year. I think they get it done. Uh, as much as I grew up hating the Cowboys, you know, <laughs> in Philly. But the Eagles don't pay my bills, man. So I like the price of the Cowboys at 16-1. to 1. I think it's a good bet. I think they go deep in the playoffs. And there'll be an opportunity to hedge if, if you feel like they're not strong enough. But I think they get through this year. No doubt. I, I'm, shoot, you got, you got me hopeful because it's been since I've a kid. I've been a kid since I've seen like a really good Cowboys team. So hopefully you're right about that. Um, is there anything else you want to tell the people? Anything else you want to promote before we get out of here? I mean, the book's coming out in January. You can stop by my website, thephillygodfather.com. I'm on Twitter at Philly Godfather. 
And you guys got the best podcast in the world. So uh, that's about it. No doubt, man. Thank you for coming on. I mean, it's we got a good time for like sports books. I mean, we got Billy Walters dropping a book in August. We got Philly Godfather dropping a book. I'm trying to convince Parala Bob Logaris to drop a book. I don't know if he's going to listen to me, but I mean, like there's just such a wealth of knowledge out there. And I just want to thank you for, you know, sharing it with the people because, you know, some of us younger guys, like I'm up and coming. I'm trying to make my legacy and I'm learning everything from you guys. So I just want to thank you for coming on. You can check out the Philly Godfather at thephillygodfather.com. You can check him out on Twitter. I mean, he does a lot of great work. His kids do some great work too. So y'all know how it's going down. This is part one of the Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence fight preview. So make sure you check out part two. I'm Raheem Palmer, a.k.a. The Rashadamas. Y'all know how it's going down. Oh,